give. You guys are really blessed because in the 8 o'clock, I didn't have time for my sermon. So that means I got two sermons and you're getting them all. That's like one gun with two barrels, you know. It's like double barrel anyway. Hey, um, I, I want to talk to you from, uh, from the book of John chapter 6. We're starting out the I Am series and we're going to talk about how Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Any bread lovers in here? Bread lovers, unite. You know, I didn't, I, I, I always, one of the things I love, because I'm a lifelong learner and because uh, I'm a preacher, I'm expected to study. So I study. But I love to learn, and I love to learn stuff. And, and it and until you, sometimes until you really study into something, you, you don't really realize the significance of it. You know, um, when you and I think about uh, bread and just the simplicity of it, you know, most every culture on the planet has some form of bread. Did you know that? That uh, bread has been around for thousands of years and that it's, it's really very simple in its makeup. Did you know that, uh, that bread really only has four ingredients, sourdough bread only three? I'm a sourdough fan, so let me talk about it for a minute, right? So sourdough has flour. What's another one? Water. And what's the last one? Salt. Flour, water, salt. Flour, water, salt. Just three ingredients and some sourdough. Now, there's a whole lot of complexity in the process of how you make it, and, uh, and it's one of my favorite things to do. I didn't know that until, I, until COVID hit, and then I got really, started having a lot of fun with sourdough. But, um, but sourdough is pretty amazing in, in its way of that, that you develop it, um, and it's very much a process. Um, did you know that even though by weight, the salt is only about a one and a half to two percent of the the weight of whatever the uh, the bread is that you're putting together. That is a very very significant part. Um, if you were to take, if I were to take this today, mm, did you hear that crunch? Mm, mm, that that there are elements to the, to the way this bread develops that has everything to do with the salt content that's in it. Like if you leave salt out that you won't get the nice dark crust because the salt affects the crust. If you leave the salt out, this, uh, this springy, uh, you know, this springy sponge in the middle won't form because salt strengthens the gluten. And so it, it makes it possible if you don't have salt in it, you can't even form a loaf. Uh, that that salt, uh, another thing that it does is it inhibits the, the uh, expansion of the yeast or the sourdough that's in the bread. So if you don't have salt in, if you neglect the salt, it's just a pile of mush because that yeast will just take over and it'll just burn up all of the sugar that's down on the inside. And, uh, you know, and, and it's just, it's not even, it's not any good. So in the process of uh, learning sourdough, I found that um, each step of the process in the formation of sourdough um, is uh, there's a different element of the process for each part of the bread, right? So so you got to get the you got to get the chemistry just right. You got to get the weight. I, I learned to I, I used to just kind of wing it with a with a recipe. You can't do that with sourdough. 
you, you wing it with sourdough, it just doesn't work out at all. So it's a very exacting process. You weigh the flour, you weigh the water, you, you weigh the, the salt that goes into it, all of that kind of thing. And, and then the timing of everything. Like I found, um, what, you know, anybody ever get impatient because you really want whatever it is that you're about to make and you're like, want it really bad? Um, one time I didn't leave the bread in the refrigerator for 16 hours, like the recipe that I use uh, pre- prefers, and the bread looked the same, and the sponge of the bread, uh, when it opened up, it was nice, and it had a nice spring to it. It tasted like just a good piece of homemade bread, no sour at all. That 16 hours overnight is where the, is where the, the sour taste comes from. It's in the the proofing, the sitting there, that's when all of that's generated. So, so it's not just the crust, it's not just the crumb, but also the flavor is part of the process, you know. And Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. In John chapter 6, Jesus takes five loaves. I've got five loaves. Actually, this is like not quite a full loaf anymore. Woo! five loaves and two fish and he feeds 5,000 people plus women and children. I guess they didn't count women and children back then. I don't know. I don't know how that worked. Biblically speaking, they would, they would, count, the, they would count the men plus women and children. So it's estimated about 25,000 people. And the story goes, you know, in that, in that parable, that, or not a parable, but in that miracle story that when they were done, the disciples were asked to go around and pick up all the leftovers, right? Can you imagine when Jesus is talking to them and, and they're having a conversation about, how are we going to feed all these people? And one of the disciples said, it'll take eight months wages for us just for each person to have a bite. And Jesus says, well, you give them something to eat. And you know, they're calculating in their minds. I don't know that my refrigerator has everything we need. They're, they're, they're at a loss. Jesus already knows what he's going to do, but they're at a loss. They're in this spot where it, what I have is not enough. What I have can't get it done. Anybody ever feel that way? I am not enough. I am not nearly enough. You, you just heard Jay say, I'm that big. You heard Deanna say, we're just a very small part. You know, we are not enough for the needs of the world. But Jesus says to us, you give them something to eat. And I'm sure he's watching them scramble. So he gives them something to do. In the other places where this miracle is mentioned, he says, have the people sit down in groups. I thought that was fascinating because Jesus wants to make sure that nobody is left out so there's organization in the process. And all of, all of you bean counters in there, you, know, you want to make sure that distribution happens adequately, right? And so Jesus, what happens is, is that he starts to multiply the bread. Now, I don't know this part. This part has escaped me ever since I was a young man trying to study this word. I don't know exactly where the miracle happens. I don't know if the miracle happens when Jesus, if he just breaks it, you know, one time and then hands it to his disciples and said, okay, I kind of think, this is just me, this is Ken Kramer, right? But I just kind of think that the disciples go out there and they take their basket and they make their way through the crowd and 
here's a piece for you, here's a piece for you, here's a piece for you. And they get to the other side of the, of the row and they look down and it's just as full as it was when they started. And they kept giving and they kept giving and they kept giving and they get, get to the end of it. And, and so at the end of it, after everybody's eaten and people got their little crumbs and their pieces and all of that kind of stuff, they go around and they collect it all and there are 12 baskets of leftovers. Leftovers. Now, this miracle happens and something amazing happens to the people. Jesus gets himself the biggest crowd he's ever had. You know, if, if you can't get a crowd through preaching, just feed them some good bread. Feed them and they'll come, right, Jerry Johnson? Feed them and they will come. And, and so, uh, so Jesus gets this crowd, and when they wake up the next morning, they look around and they say, did, where did Jesus go? What they're really saying is our bellies are hungry again, and we're looking for our next meal. And the scripture indicates that they want Jesus to become bread king. Bread king. We're going to make him, the text there says in John 6 that they're going to make him king by force. They're going to say, you're the guy that multiplies the bread. Therefore, if you're in charge, then all, all the bread will always come our way. And Jesus pushes back on that. It's a high moment, but Jesus pauses because he knows that they're interested in fleshly things not spiritual things. They're interested in their stomachs being fed and they're missing the point. Now, let me tell a quick story. I'm going I'm to put, put this story on hold and I'm going to go to another story. There's about five or six of us here in this room that years ago, we men took a camping trip. And this particular camping trip landed just about three days shy of the completion of one of our fasts. You have never seen a sorrier camping trip than the camping trip you take without food. We go on this fast, and we go on this camping trip, and everybody feels like, what's the point of this? We go sit out there in the woods, look at a campfire, nothing to put on the campfire, no hot dogs, no s'mores, no marshmallows. What is the point of this? And I was in the midst of it all. You see, when you're the pastor, everybody's afraid to do something they ain't supposed to do. So, so I heard, I heard after I stayed two nights and left that the first place they went was a grocery store. And they mobbed that grocery store. They knocked that place over, man. There weren't any hot dogs left. There weren't anything left. They hit that, they hit that and Pastor Ken can go on back and do his fast. That's okay. <laughs> now, I've had a lot of camping trips, but that one is one of the most memorable. Now, true story, I've eaten since then. Can you tell? Because I'm still here. Well, let me tell you about a 40-year camping trip that Israel took. And they didn't have any food. And God said, if you'll just trust me and you wake up every day, I'll feed you. So for 40 years, people wandering around in the wilderness and they got up every morning and when the dew had burned off, there was manna on the ground. Now, 
when Jesus is telling this story, when he feeds the 5,000, some of the descendants of those who had been in the wilderness were in the crowd. They'd heard the story about manna. They'd heard the story from their ancestors of how God fed them bread in the morning, water from a rock, and oftentimes quail when they needed some meat. That was their story. How do they know their story is true? Because you might get by without three days of food. Maybe you get by if you do a longer fast of 30 or 40 days. I have a personal friend who went 60 days, and he's still alive to tell about it. But you won't go 40 years. God fed a group of almost 2 million Jews for 40 years with his bread called manna. And so when, when this crowd sees this bread multiplied, they're saying, hot dog! We, this is just like in our history, and all we have to do is follow Jesus around, and he will provide bread for us. And so this conversation takes place. That was on my intro. <laughs> this conversation takes place in John chapter 6. Verse 32, this is toward, more toward the middle to the end of the passage. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of them that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. See, Jesus is having this conversation because he needs to clarify for the people the difference between bread that they have to work for or that they have to earn and an earthly bread and the bread that satisfies the soul, the bread that causes you to never hunger for any other thing again. Let me tell you, whatever you had for breakfast and a couple out, you're probably hungrier now because you got bread in front of you. You know, you, our, our bodies need that regular, you know, uh, they, they need that regular food. They need that time frame that, that we would fill back up. Why? Because that's what sustains us. But Jesus' point in this text is that you, you and I can't live by bread alone. You and I can't live by earthly food. You and I, that's, that's really not what it's about. Isn't that the first temptation that the enemy throws at Jesus in the, you know, in the wilderness, right? If you are the son of God command this stone to become bread. All the way through the Bible, bread, there's this, there's this breadcrumb, the series of breadcrumbs all the way through the Bible leading up to this moment. The whole miracle for 40 years in the wilderness was to point to Jesus in this moment when Jesus would say, hey, your forefathers ate the bread in the wilderness and guess what? They died but I'm here to talk to you about the bread from heaven, that if you eat of this bread, you will never, ever die. 
You won't hunger for earthly things like you used to hunger for earthly things. You won't have desires that God can't fulfill because I am the bread of life. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus instructs us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread makes sense as it relates to the Moses and manna story. God wants to be in our ordinary bread-eating lives. He wants to be a daily part of our lives. He wants it to be ordinary. You know, a lot of times as Pentecostals, we like the sensational. We like the show. We like the, the flash. We like that. And you know what? Jesus says, just let me be your daily bread. Let me be with you. Let me, let me be just as real as that, as that dry crust sitting there. But you need to understand that when you take in my life, it will sustain you. And you'll be here tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And Jesus says, if you'll eat of this life, I'll raise you up on the last day. That's his promise, right? So here's the word of the Lord today. The word of the Lord is to come and believe and believe and come. I'm going to break it down real simple. We need to come and believe the first time to receive him as Lord. You and I need to, need to recognize that we've got to get to the end of ourselves and we've got to call on the name of the Lord. How many of you here in the sound of my voice have made Jesus Lord of your life and you're not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God and you know it, right? You've made Jesus Lord. You've trusted in him. You said, you know what? I got to the end of myself and I found out I needed something that I, I couldn't do on my own. I, my own works were not enough and you trusted in what Jesus has done. Works say, I've got to trust in what I do, but, but faith says, I'm going to trust in what he has done. It's the finished work of Jesus. It's not my works, it's his work, and he did it, and I trust in him for what he has done. Now, as believers, we get that. The, the problem is, sometimes we stop coming to him, even though we believe. Sometimes we say, okay, Jesus, you've taken care of the heaven stuff. That was heavy lifting, and I couldn't do that on my own. But I got it from here. I know how to run my next 24-7. I know, I know what's going to happen tomorrow enough that I, that I feel like I can muscle my way through. Maybe I can get my way through. Maybe I can figure my way out. Maybe I, I'm a pretty good salesperson. I can sell my way through there. I can just get through there. And Jesus says, go ahead, big boy. You know what we're doing when we're doing that? That's called pride. And that's something God opposes. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What does it mean to be humble? It means to trust in what Jesus has already done and trust in his words when he says, I am the bread of life. If you still have desires that are outside of the satisfaction that Jesus has given, you need, you need to call crop failure on those desires. You need to say, you know what? Those desires are outside of what God has provided for me. God has provided for me. He's provided my needs, not my greeds. And just because you have a desire for something doesn't mean it's a lawful desire. Doesn't mean it's a good for you desire. Doesn't mean it's healthy. Doesn't mean it's going to take you in the right direction. But when you find your satisfaction in the Lord, when you find your satisfaction that he fulfills every desire, the scripture says. John 1, 12 uh, says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, 
but born of God. When you got born again, the, God's nature came on the inside of you. The lights came on, and you are born again. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. But that new creature is a brand new baby in the Lord, and it needs fuel. It needs food. So we start with the pure milk of the word, and we begin to grow thereby. Secondly, in your notes, after we believe, we will want to come back for more of his life. You keep coming back. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of you have ever found this part of you on the inside of you? You just, you just, you know, God lifts you up. He elevates you. And then you say, I got this. You're like that little kid on the bicycle, you know, and you just got your training wheels off and, and, and you made it halfway down the block without falling and then you had to turn. And then what happens, right? You fall over, you skin your knee. I, I do it all myself. I can do it all myself. There's a lot of skin knees and bumped noggins and all of those kind of things that happen when we try to do things on our own. The point of, ma of a mature Christian life is to become like a little child. That's the point. To become like a little... What is maturity? I can't do it myself. That's maturity. I got to trust him. I got to go back to him. I have no other way of doing this. I can't do it on my own. I'm not supposed to do it on my own. God says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He didn't say, get it all figured out. He said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own coconut. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Jesus says in Matthew 11, uh, 28, come to me, all, who, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give him rest. Philippians 3, Paul says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to, take, to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I, I, I take my title and I don't count it as anything. Anything that I have in the flesh, I just lay it all down. I count it as rubbish. He says, I, I, I don't count any of those things to my credit, to my name, not my title, not my education, not my experience, not my background. I lay all those things down. I just want this one thing. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him in a deeper way. I want to know him in a greater way. I, I want to know the one who is the bread of life because when I understand who he is as the bread of life, then things begin to multiply in my life. Things begin to grow. Things begin to expand that never have to be curtailed. You see, if, if we do it in the flesh, there's a diminishing return that happens. You know, we, we, do, we, we do so good and we get to this place and we say, hey, what if we could do that? What if we could do the other thing? And, and the only thing that happens is we try to spin more plates. We try to make more things happen. And eventually we run out. We find we're really not enough. But if you'll keep coming back to Jesus, if you'll keep humbling yourself before the Lord, he has a beautiful way of, of blessing you. The word says, the blessing of the Lord maketh fat. I don't know if I like that. But, but maketh fat. And, and he adds no trouble to it. Fatness in the Old Testament is a good thing. Right? 
he supplies everything that you need, the blessing of the Lord, and he adds no trouble. Uh, oftentimes when we, add, when we try to, to add wealth, what happens? We multiply trouble. We, we take from this part of our life and we say, well, if I, if I just work some extra hours then I can have more than enough. But the problem is you took those extra hours from your family or you took those extra hours from your wife or you took those extra hours from something, maybe, maybe rest that you needed. You took those extra hours from somewhere and you tried to pad your pocket with it, but the problem was you added trouble. You didn't realize you added trouble. You're just trying to get ahead. But when Jesus does it, you've got more than enough time, more than enough energy, more than enough why? Because now he's carrying the load, right? He's carrying the load. Number three, his life will multiply in our lives and spill over onto others. Matthew chapter 13, verse eight says, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. 130 or 60 times. God wants to multiply his life through you. There's another passage, I didn't put it in here, but it's the passage where Jesus says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And he was talking about himself, but this is, the, this is the pathway of your life and mine. If I'll die to myself and my needs and I'll trust in him for what he can do, then the multiplication effect take, it, it begins to happen. It, it was Jesus who multiplied the bread, but all of that was just an illustration for him to say, you know what? I'm not giving you bread. I am the bread. I am the bread. And the, the same way that you've seen this multiply, that all of the needs were met, yeah. If you take me into your life, all of your needs are gonna be met as well. All of your needs are going to be met. I'm going to look after you. I'm going, to, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to care for you. That thing that you feel weak in, don't worry. I'm strong in it. And if you'll just bring yourself to me, if you'll, if you'll believe and come, and then come and believe. You see, you always have to have faith. I don't know why it is in the human condition that we want to, we want to get ourselves to the place where we say, I don't have to trust anymore. I've got this. There is no circumstance in your life where God doesn't want you to trust him. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why would God put you in a place where you are displeasing to him? He wouldn't. Every step of the way, you and I are gonna have to trust him for something. We're trusting him every day for our salvation. We're trusting him for our provision. We're trusting him for our families and we need to believe him. We need to come and believe, believe and come. Come and believe, believe and come. This is the work of God. This is in the passage there. You need to read that. I had the guys in pillar 22 reading over John 6. You know, this is the, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. How is Jesus calling on you today to believe and trust in? Where do you need to trust and believe in the Lord today? Is it for your overall salvation? Well, you can trust him for your salvation. But I found in my life that it was pretty simple to trust God for heaven because I couldn't do anything about heaven. The hard part is trusting him for my rent. The hard part is trusting him for my daily bread, for what I need in front of me today. Why? Because that thing is the thing that's causing me to be anxious. So what do you do in that case? You pray the Lord's Prayer. 
Give us this day our daily bread. He wouldn't, he wouldn't tell us to ask if he wasn't ready to answer. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And if you eat of him, you'll never go hungry. Amen? Amen. Could we stand right now? I don't know what your need is today from the Lord. I don't know what your struggle is. But God is so faithful. God is so faithful. I trusted God through the latter part of my teenage years. And I can say to a teenager, God is faithful. And I trusted God in my 20s. I was trying to figure out who I was going to be. He led me to Bible college. I got just enough light to trust him. Just enough light. Didn't know anything about the ministry. Wasn't raised in church. Couldn't figure out how I got from point A to point B. But I knew God had called me to go to Bible college. So I went to Bible college. Got to Bible college, God called me to preach. Then the question is, well, who's going to go with me? I'm at Bible college, meet my wife. Woo! Hallelujah. Oh. Amen. And she's back, by the way. God has answered every step of the way. And if I can just tell you this, God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't love me any more than he loves you. And if my testimony can be that Jesus is the bread of life and he will supply everything that you have need of at every stage of your life, every stage, you don't have to believe in me, you don't have to believe what I say, but believe what the word says, you can trust in him, amen? Can we just bow our heads right now? No matter where you're at, no matter where you find yourself today, let's all pray this out loud. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. And I'm coming to you right now. Because Lord, I have needs. And I know that you are the supplier. You're the source for my resource. So Jesus, I trust in you today for my spiritual life, for the favor that I need, for my provision, and for my family. I thank you, Lord, that your word says you perfect those things that concern me. So I trust you with my whole life today. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hey, God bless you, church.